Welcome to the Right Division Network Podcast, a production of Grace Family Bible Church in Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Pastor Scott Morton. We'd like to thank you once again for joining us as we study God's Word, Rightly Divided. We'll be continuing today going through the book of 1 Thessalonians. We are here in chapter number 3, and we've been looking at verse number 6, which says, But now when Timotheus came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. And as we've been looking at this verse and discussing the impact that the Apostle Paul had by sending Timothy unto this local assembly, looking at what was going on with them, trying to see if they were still remaining faithful to the message that the Apostle Paul had committed unto them. If they were standing true to the gospel message for today, the fact that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures, and how a person puts their trust in that and that alone is what gives someone salvation today. This is what the Apostle Paul was looking at to see if this is what they were holding to, and as a result of them holding to this message, that the issue of their charity, their demonstration of the love that they had for the members of the body of Christ and for other individuals as well, if this was going to be present with them. And this is what you know Paul was saying, that he had good tidings that came from Timothy. It was because Timothy found that this is what was going on with them And as he continues on to discuss what it is that was true of these individuals, you see how Paul identifies this, and that ye have good remembrance of us. That the members of this local assembly had a good remembrance of the Apostle Paul and those that were ministering with him. And you see how this takes it back to when the Apostle Paul first went to this assembly. If we go over back to the book of Acts, we go to Acts chapter number 17 for a moment. We're going to see Paul going to this assembly and what happens when he is there. So we look at Acts chapter number 17. We're going to start here at verse number 1, which says, Now when... They had passed through Amphipolis in Apollonia. They came to Thessalonica, where was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul, as his manner was, went in unto them, and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ." And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and of the devout Greeks, a great multitude and of the chief women, not a few. But the Jews, which believed not, moved with envy, took unto them certain lewd fellows of the baser sort, 
and gathered a company and set all the city on an uproar and assaulted the house of Jason and sought to bring them out to the people. And when they found them not, they drew Jason and certain brethren unto the rulers of the city, crying, These that have turned the world upside down are come hither also, whom Jason hath received, and these all do contrary to the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, one Jesus. And they troubled the people and the rulers of the city when they heard these things. And when they had taken security of Jason and of the other, they let them go. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. So Luke, as he's recording this passage here in the book of Acts, speaks about how Paul had gone into Thessalonica. He had stayed there for a period of three Sabbath days. So he's there for three weeks preaching unto individuals. And this is prior to him being chased out of this city. So he he's only there for a very short period of time prior to him being chased out for you know this rejection of what was going on and that three week period of time had such an impact on these individuals that Paul can talk about how they had a good remembrance of us they looked at Paul understood who he was and as a result of that understanding that they had you see how Paul can describe it as that you know that they had this good desire this good feeling of them and the problem that we have a lot of times is that instead of letting the word actually work and cause some of these things because that's really what caused all this issue is that they looked at and understood Paul, the position that he had, and the fact that he was the apostle, the Gentiles, that the word had been committed unto him, and that he was giving them the word of God, that we look at individuals and just from our own sense of things decide that somebody is good and we want to be around them and we have these good feelings about them, or we decide that there's something that we don't like about the individual and that we don't have a good remembrance of them, all because of who we are having that influence rather than letting the Word of God actually create this for us. Because the Word of God, and we've looked at it and identified the fact how the Word of God clearly identifies that we are supposed to have these good feelings, this care for all individuals. But there's a natural thing that individuals have that say that they only want to care for certain individuals and ones that they determine actually meet the criteria of what they feel meets of being how they would say that it would be good. Now, when we look at that, the idea of the word good, the one thing that we do have to have an idea of is 
what exactly does the word good actually mean? Because, you know, we have some thoughts that of our own to say what this word actually means. But we're going to look, take a few minutes here and actually look at how the dictionary actually defines the word good. And as always, when we go back and look at you know, a dictionary definition, we go back to Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And we go back there because, you know, one that's you know, a close dictionary to the time of when the King James Bible was actually translated. We also have, you know, when you look at this dictionary, there are oftentimes scripture references that actually tie in with these definitions. Now, when you look at the word good in this dictionary, it's going to actually, there's for the adjective good describing something, there are actually 40 different definitions that are actually given of the word good. And we're going to try to get through these very quickly with us. So the first one says, valid, legally firm, not weak or defective, having strength adequate to its support, as a good title, a good deed, a good claim. The second one, valid, sound, not weak, false, or fallacious, as a good argument. The third one, complete or sufficiently perfect in its kind, having the physical qualities best adapted to its design and use, opposed to bad, imperfect, corrupted, or impaired. We say good timber, good cloth, a good soil, a good color. And a verse that would actually go along with this would be Genesis chapter 1, verse number 4. The fourth definition, having moral qualities best adapted to its design and use, or the qualities which God's law requires, virtuous, pious, religious, applied to persons and opposed to bad, bad, vicious, wicked, or evil. And the verse that would go along with this would be Romans chapter 5, verse 7. Definition 5. Conformable to the moral law, virtuous applied to actions. Titus chapter 2 verse 3 would be a verse that would go along with this definition. Number 6. Proper, fit, convenient, seasonable, well adapted to the end. It was a good time to commence operations. He arrived in good time. Number 7. Convenient, useful, expedient, conducive to happiness. A verse that would go along with this definition would be Genesis chapter 2, verse number 9. Number 8. Sound, perfect, uncorrupted, undamaged. This fruit will keep good the whole year. Number 9. Suitable to the taste or to health, wholesome, salubrious, palatable, not disagreeable or noxious, as fruit good to eat, a tree good for food, Again, Genesis chapter number 2, verse 9. Number 10. Suited to produce a salutary effect, adapted to abate or cure, medicinal, salutary, beneficial, as fresh vegetables are good for scorbutic diseases. Number 11. Suited to strengthen or assist the healthful functions, as a little wine is good for a weak stomach. Number 12. Pleasant to the taste as a good apple. A verse that would go along with this would be Proverbs chapter 24, verse 13. Number 13. 
full, or complete. The Protestant subjects of the Abbey make up a good third of its people. Number 14, useful, valuable, having qualities or a tendency to produce a good effect. All quality that is good for anything is originally founded on merit. Number 15, equal, adequate, competent, his security is good for the amount of the debt applied to persons able to fulfill contracts. Antonio is a good man. Number 16, favorable, convenient for any purpose, as a good stand for business, a good station for a camp. Number 17, convenient, suitable, safe, as a good harbor for ships. Number 18, well qualified, able, skillful, or performing duties with skill and fidelity, as a good prince, a good commander, a good officer, a good physician. Number 19, ready, dexterous. Those are generally good at flattering who are good for nothing else. Number 20, kind, benevolent, affectionate, as a good father, goodwill. Number 21, kind, affectionate, faithful, as a good friend. Number 22, promotive of happiness, pleasant, agreeable, cheering, gratifying. A verse that would go along with this definition is Psalm 133, verse 1. Number 23, pleasant or prosperous as good morrow, sir, good morning. Number 24, honorable, fair, unblemished, unimpeached, as a man of good fame or report. A verse going along with this one is Ecclesiastes chapter number 7, verse 1. Number 25, cheerful, favorable to happiness, be of good comfort. Number 26, great or considerable, not small nor very great, is a good while ago, he is a good way off, or at a good distance, he has a good deal of leisure, I had a good share of the trouble. Here we see the primary sense of extending or advancing. Number 27, elegant, polite, as good breeding. Number 28, real, serious, not feigned, love not in good earnest. Number 29, kind, favorable, benevolent, humane. A verse going along with this one is 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 3. Number 30, benevolent, merciful, gracious. A verse going along with this definition is Psalm 73, verse 1. Number 31, seasonable, commendable, or proper. A verse going along with this one is Matthew chapter 26, verse 10. Number 32, pleasant, cheerful, or festive. 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 3 would go along with this. Number 33, companionable, social, merry. It is well known that Sir Roger had been a good fellow in his youth. Number 34, brave and familiar language, you are a good fellow. Number 35, in, in the phrases the good man applied to the master of the house and good woman applied to the mistress, good sometimes expresses a moderate degree of respect and sometimes slight contempt. Among the first settlers of New England, it was used as a title instead of Mr. as Good Man Jones, Good Man Wells. Number 36. The phrase good will is equivalent to benevolence, but it signifies also an earnest desire, a healthy, a hearty wish, 
entire willingness or fervent zeal, as we entered into the service with a good will, he laid on stripes with a good will. Number 37. Comely, handsome, well-formed, as a good person or shape. Number 38. Mild, pleasant, expressing benignity or other esteemable qualities as a good countenance. Number 39. Mild, calm, not irritable or fractious as a good temper. And the last one here, number 40. Kind, friendly, humane as a good heart or disposition. And there's a lot there to actually get an idea of exactly what it is that this word good actually means when Paul's looking at it and saying that they had a good remembrance of him, Silas, and Timothy who had been there with them ministering unto them. That they looked on them in this favorable manner you know, identifying them as members of the body of Christ, identifying them, you know, we have seen how chapter 2, verse 13 talks about how they accepted what had been said as the things of the word of God. Now, when we look at this and and understand the issue of, you know, why it is that they truly had this good remembrance, you know, we can look at from a couple of these factors here. You know, one of them being the fact that, you know, since they had been there for those three weeks, they would have actually seen exactly how it is that they were living, seeing how the Word was actually working in them. And as a result of seeing that, they would be able to say, okay, we see this pattern of things, and because we see this pattern in these individuals, and we know that what has been given unto them is the Word of God, and we know that if we go over to Romans chapter 10, and I'm going to read here verse 17, which says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, that they knew that what Paul was preaching unto them was something that was going to be that was going to produce faith in them, and it was actually going to work in them just like it was working in Paul, just like it was working in Timothy, just like it was working in Silas. Seeing this pattern of things, so that way they could live that life in that same manner. That's why Paul can identify himself when he writes to Timothy and talk about how he's a pattern of things. You know, because what Paul Paul's message and Paul's ministry truly was a pattern for individuals to be able to try to follow. In their life, you know, and because they saw Timothy, thing that they could understand. We've looked at how Paul describes 
Timothy, if we go over to Philippians chapter number 2, we see this passage, how is Paul's, again, describing Timothy to this assembly in Philippi. We're going to read here verses 19 and 20 of Philippians chapter number 2. It says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Paul saw Timothy, saw him as being this like-minded individual, a person he calls a son in the faith, and how he knew that sending Timothy, that he would care for them, he would see exactly what was going on, that in when Timothy goes and they see him and have this remembrance of him, this remembrance of the Apostle Paul, and how that remembrance, that understanding of the Word of God. Let's, I've made a reference a couple of times to this passage, but I want to go back over here to read it now. First Thessalonians chapter number 2. Because this is the reality of, of what is going on in this assembly here. And here in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, we're going to read here verse number 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, ye received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. It's only the word of God that can actually work in an individual. That can produce a change in someone to have them conform to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because that's when we talk about what happens or what is supposed to happen to a member of the body of Christ. We have a position because we're identified in Christ as a result of our putting our trust in the gospel message. And that's our positional sanctification. But there's a practical aspect that goes along with it of where as we live our life, as the word of God works in us, it should produce a change if we're studying the Word of God rightly divided, taking it in, accepting it as the Word of God, exactly what we see these saints doing in Thessalonica. If we're doing that, the result is going to be that we get closer and closer to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we're living our life, it becomes easier and easier to function according to what the Word of God actually says for us. That's why you see how Paul, when he writes his epistles, that he lays out some doctrinal information, and then as a result of that doctrinal information and saying, okay, here's the things that you need to know, he'll start talking about how this information should actually have an impact on the person's life and what changes should actually occur. You know, the 
perfect example of it is if you look at the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters are laying out all of this doctrinal information. And then starting in chapter number four, there's this shift that happens where there's a few pieces of doctrine that are thrown in, but the majority of chapters four, five, and six are actually dealing with practical information that individuals need to say, this is how the word actually has this impact. This is how your life is going to look if you're actually taking this information in. And if you're doing that, you're going to have that good report. You're going to have the saints looking at you and saying that this is a pattern of how I should be living because they're living the life that Paul would have them to live. Unsaved individuals are going to be able to look and say that there's something different about a member of the body of Christ that we're not like the individuals in the world who are unsaved. Because so many individuals want to look at those who identify themselves as Christian and try to find the mistakes, try to find the faults, try to find the thing of where, how Paul says that there was a, a good remembrance of them. They try to look and say, that, well, let's find everything bad about individuals who identify themselves as Christian and not have a good report of who they are. That's what the world wants. And Paul's saying that this is not what was true of these saints in Thessalonica, that they had a good report. They saw exactly what the scriptures said was supposed to be true of them as a result of understanding what the Word of God actually says. Now we're going to continue next time looking at some more aspects of this verse. Now as we close here, I'd like to remind everyone of our website, which is www.gracefamilybiblechurch.org. And on our website, we have a number of study articles. We have audio files of our Sunday services. We have information about how to join our Sunday services live on Facebook as they happen. We also have information about how to join our Wednesday night Bible study through a conference call option as well. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, about anything you see on our website, anything you hear in of our broadcast, we would love to hear from each and every one of you. And until next time, keep fighting that good fight of faith, preaching this message to this lost and dying world.